what is the infrastructure and who pays for it? How old is it? Those are the things I'm trying to understand. And most importantly, the number of lots, but even more important than that, the number of paying residents. You're listening to The Life and Money Show, a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, hey, everyone. Annie Dickerson here. And on behalf of Julie Lamb and the whole Good Egg Investments team, I'm thrilled to welcome you to another episode of the Life and Money Show. As I'm recording this, I actually just spent the weekend in Tampa all on my own, no kids, no husband. And I was out there for a personal development event and somebody said to me, me. Wow, that sounds so nourishing. And it was, it felt very soul nourishing. And, you know, especially as busy moms, we just have to do that for ourselves sometimes. It's not always easy. And my husband certainly wasn't happy about (laughs) having to take the kids and do all the things, but, you know, he made it work and my mom jumped in as well. And so, so grateful. So, this event. Let me just tell you a little bit about it because this is kind of my woo-woo side. Some of you may know, or maybe you don't, that I'm a little bit of a woo-woo person. I don't let it come out a lot on the business side because I get it where this is about real estate and it's serious, (laughs) right? But you know, some of you have heard me tell the story of how I manifested this home that we're living in right now, which is in the Berkeley Hills in California and started out years ago where we were living in this home in North Oakland and the homes in Oakland are very close together. And the house right next to ours was hot pink. It was like Barbie pink with, it was falling apart, broken windows, just old cracking paint, all of that. And people ask me, well, if money were no object, what would you want? And I said, oh my gosh, I would love a house with a view. I love a house with a view. But I realized there was a part of me that didn't deserve, that felt like I didn't deserve that house with a view because I thought, well, I would just be throwing that money right out that window, literally. That's what my my parents always told me growing up. They said, you know, you got to be practical and got to be frugal. And But once I broke through and I realized that's what was holding me back. I was able to manifest this house that's way better than I ever could have imagined. In fact, recently we had a get together for Good Egg Investors here at my house. And so if you were here, you got to see the tremendous view. It's breathtaking. You can see the entire bay. In fact, we have these floor to ceiling windows in our living room and we put down a kind of a floor mat, I guess, like a little cushy mattress kind of thing there. And I can actually lie on the floor and see the entire bay. I can see the Golden Gate Bridge. I can see the Bay Bridge so much of Berkeley. It's just spectacular. And it's better than I ever could have imagined. And I know that I didn't do it on my own. And this is the woo-woo part of me. I know that there are forces in play, not only in my life, but also in real estate, whatever you believe, that's the woo-woo part of me coming out. And so this event that I got to go to in Tampa. It was put on by a company called Hay House. If you've read You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay, she was kind of a pioneer 
in the self-development or self-help space. And her publishing company, Hay House, put on this event. They've done it every year for, I don't know, 20, over 20 years, but they had to take a break for COVID. And so this was their first year back since 2019. And you know how, whatever your thing is in life where you're like, maybe not quite quote normal and you're like, oh, I don't know. Some people might not like me for this or accept me for this, or I don't feel enough in this area. Well, I got to be honest, that woo-woo part of me was felt like that before this event. And then I went to this event and there were over 2,000 of my woo-woo people there. <laughs> there were psychics, there were mediums, there were tarot card readers, past life regression practitioners, the whole gamut. And I'm not I'm not even that far into it. I just, I'm curious about all of this stuff, right? But just to see that there were all these people who they weren't afraid of this part. They were like, wow, I'm really into this. I want the world to know that I'm into this. I'm like, yeah, I want to be that way. I want to get behind that too. I want to let my freak flag fly too, right? And so I don't know why I'm sharing that story, but hopefully there's somebody out there who really needs to hear that because we should all let our freak flags fly. Let's be honest. So anyway, woo woo aside, now let's talk about our guest today, Amanda Cruz. Her focus is on mobile home parks and wow, are you in for a treat. Amanda has an amazing story. She worked in the corporate world for years. In fact, she just retired last year in 2022 after years of realizing that the corporate world wasn't right for her and first starting a side business while she was still working her full-time job and had a newborn. And so when that flopped, then she really pivoted and she found real estate. And one thing led to another and she discovered, she and her husband together discovered mobile home parks. And that's what they focus on now. And so in this show, she really walks us through why mobile homes, what was so good about mobile homes, how they've been able to build up their business and find deals to buy and how she's expanded even beyond mobile home parks at this point. And she has taken on investors into her deals as well and really has a passion for helping others, particularly other women who are in the real estate investing space. And so just such an inspiration across the board and a story of someone who's accomplished so much in such a short amount of time. And with young kids too, her kids are currently six and three. So she's done a lot of this while her kids have been very, very young. So I think you're really going to love this story. So much good stuff in here. Now, before we dive in to my conversation with Amanda, I did want to let you all know that we actually have not one, but two open offerings right now. So if you're looking for a place to invest your capital at this point, I know there's a lot of crazy headlines out there and there's a lot of uncertainty out there, but you know, if you're a longtime listener of this show, you know that this is the time when everybody else is running scared. This is the time for you to come in and be bold, 
be brave and make that investment because as you do, you know, this is when the true wealth is created at times like this. It's just up to you whether you are up to the task. But anyway, if you are in that position, you are looking to invest your capital and to grow your wealth, you want to learn about our open investment opportunities, you can go to goodegginvestments.com slash deals. That's goodegginvestments.com slash deals. And you can find more info about our current offerings as well as what's coming up. Okay. With that, Let's dive into my conversation with Amanda Cruz. Amanda, welcome to the show. How are you? I am doing great, Annie. Thank you so much for having me. We're thrilled to have you here now, Amanda. I know you've had a tremendous amount of success in the real estate space over the last several years, starting first with a duplex, which is exactly how I started out as well, and then moving into mobile home parks, which is what you're focused on now. But before we get into all of that, start by taking us back. It always fascinates me how people get into real estate. So tell us the story about kind of before real estate was on your radar. I know you were working in corporate America for many years. I am also a recovering corporate ladder climber. So tell us a little bit about what you were doing back then. And then tell us the story about how real estate found you. Yeah, of course. So I grew up very traditionally as far as work and jobs. My mom retired from a public school system and I sort of followed the same traditional path. I went to college. I have my undergrad in chemistry. I haven't used it a day since I graduated. I moved up to Washington, DC, and I was doing analysis for the Department of Defense, war gaming analysis. And I got my master's in applied statistics while I was there. And then hopped down to Richmond, Virginia and joined Capital One. And there I was climbing the ladder for about a decade, managing a team of analysts. And I loved it. And it was challenging and it was fulfilling. And I also realized while I was there, I didn't want the job, the person two levels above me. And I was working so hard and building something that was never going to be mine. I was never going to own it. And I'd always been wondering, could I be successful? as an entrepreneur. Would that be something I could actually do? Could I pull it off or would I fail? So in 2017, after having our first child, that's when I decided, hey, now is the right time to start our entrepreneurial (laughs) journey. So we It's funny how kids can do that to you. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So I started a business selling products for gender reveals. Those cannons that shoot out and save your having a boy or a girl. Oh my gosh. Can I tell you a really funny story about that? I was just visiting a friend in Phoenix and she was telling, she's currently pregnant. And she told me that for their gender reveal, they decided to go to like Hawaiian shave ice place. So it does sound fun. They handed the person the gender and then they said, could you just put something in the middle, like a color in the middle? And then so they only had limited flavors at this place. So they said, okay, well, we'll do Island Berry if it's a boy and we'll do like, I don't remember what the other one was like, guava if it's a girl. And then (laughs) so the colors are so close together, right? So they're starting eating and they eat all the way to the bottom and they haven't found the color. (laughs) like, So what is it? (laughs) 
And they were like, oh, oh the girl, do you want us to do it again? They were like, no, no, no. <laughs> and that's a safer option. Totally <laughs> a safer option, even though it didn't work quite well. It turns out those cannons are actually dangerous. So fun fact, yeah, they're dangerous. And so we ended up having to shut down the entire business (gasps) like a year after we started it, right when it was kind of taking off. Does it like hit people or like they will come apart? The cartridge is compressed air and it will actually occasionally come apart from you know the cardboard piece as the top. So not something you want, especially around pregnant people, but really around anybody. So that was super fun. And obviously I was devastated. I'd been doing this. I did everything myself. I did it the slow way. I did my own Pinterest marketing, just things mm-hmm. I know nothing about. I built my yeah. own website. Yeah, yeah. Wasted like a year of time doing that. Learned a lot and then totally had to shut it down. But I'd always been interested in real estate. When I was in college, I rented a place my senior year with other girls, and it was owned by somebody whose daughter used to be in college, and you know they were still renting it out. And I could do the simple math, how much we were paying, how much the places were going for. And that kind of triggered me. One day, I should own some real estate. I should do this. And so in 2018 is when we really got into real estate and started learning a lot about it after the business failure and bought our first duplex. So we made that nicer, put some tenants in place. That went well. Were you still living in Richmond at the time or had you moved? We had actually moved back to North Carolina. So that's where I grew up. And we moved back here about five years ago. So actually, we had sold our only home that we owned, our first home we ever bought in Richmond, and bought that duplex in North Carolina before we even bought ourselves a single family house. So we only (laughs) had a rental house at the time, not even our own. Our landlord was like, we had to, she had to be called, I guess, about the loan. And she was very confused. She's like, you guys are buying a house. We're like, yeah, but we're still going to live here in your house. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So and so you bought this too. Was it already like there were people living in it already when you bought it or? No, it was a husband and wife had gotten split up. So she lived in one side and she actually let her teenage daughter live on her own in the other half of the duplex, which oh, is wow. beyond what I would conceive I would ever do, but oh, it was cool. fascinating. <laughs> so they moved out and we got tenants in place. Got and it. we did a couple more burrs, you know, single family. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure happened with you, Annie goes great. Things are okay. You know, maybe it doesn't go perfectly. We don't love managing contractors, but it goes fine. And then you make a couple hundred dollars a month in cash flow. And you're like, wait, I did all this work. And it's going to take me so long to get to financial freedom. There has to be a better path. And that's when we really looked at something else. Yeah. And so we started looking at individual mobile homes and we did some of those for a while. Hold on. You're like, okay, for the amount of work I'm putting in, I'm only getting a couple hundred dollars a month. Did you think about like, oh, we'll just buy more? Or were you like, okay, this path isn't right. We're going to pivot. And then how did you, of all the different possibilities, why mobile homes? So we did the latter. Hey, we could keep buying a whole bunch, but I could quickly run the numbers of how many we'd have to buy and how long it would take. And it just didn't make as much sense to us. Now, I had heard from a guy who I deeply respect, Bill Cook, He is such a smart, creative deal structure. And in 2019, he was telling me about something called a Lonnie deal, which is Mm -hmm. where you buy a mobile home, just like a single family home from somebody who needs to sell it. So you buy it for a good price. 
and you turn around and you sell it to a family who's going to buy it and live there. And you carry that note. You're the bank for them. And so we did some of these. The interest rates are very high on those. It's Mm -hmm. very approachable. You only need a handful of thousands of dollars to buy one of these. So it's a very approachable investment with really high returns. So we did a handful of those and it went well. We understood this space. We really like the macroeconomics of mobile home parks and affordable housing, which there is just an ever-growing shortage of affordable housing. So in 2020, we bought our first mobile home park. We actually bought it the first week of April 2020. So we went under contract in January and bought it the first week of (laughs) April. Like the entire world changed in that time frame. We were freaking out. My husband wasn't freaking out. I'm the numbers one. So I was freaking out. Ran the numbers like 50 times half of the park would have to not pay us before we could not make the mortgage. I'm like, okay, okay. this is going to (laughs) work. And that's how we got into mobile home parks. Yeah. I can imagine with that timing, because often, you know, the residents of mobile home parks tend to be more vulnerable population as far as it comes to service jobs and things like that. So at a time like that, when everybody, a lot of people were having to hold off or there was a pause or a hiatus or they were getting laid off, it must have been. So how did it turn out? So you you got that one. How did it go? It it went great. So it turns out the residents of this park were heavily into processing of meat, which never shut down because that was a very important thing. Landscaping, which was an outdoor thing or construction, which was outdoor. Uh So they never ended up really losing their jobs Mm. for the most part. And and as you know, there was a lot of money given out to individuals for a long time. So we didn't miss a single rent payment on that park for years. I think we just evicted our first ever tenant about six months ago. So it took a long time. And honestly, residents of mobile home parks tend to be pretty sticky. So they Mm. made their lower income, but the rent they're paying is so low that it's a very approachable amount. It's not like the $1,500 a month for a standard rentals. So yeah, it ends up being that we have very high payment rates and very low turnover. Okay. So you mentioned their rent is low. And so for somebody who may know nothing about mobile home parks, I know there's different models. So sometimes you own the home, sometimes you don't, sometimes they're renting. So give us kind of the 101 on how mobile home parks work or this particular one worked. Yeah. So there are, like you were saying, any two different ways you can run a mobile home park as the owner. There's a tenant owned home model, and that's where the tenants own their own homes and they pay you lot rent for the right to keep their home connected to your land and your infrastructure. So it's connected to water and sewer and electrical, and they pay you a couple hundred dollars a month for the right to keep their home there. But they own everything inside of the home. So if they have to replace carpet or paint, there's a leaking toilet that is on them as the owner of the home, not on the owner of the park. Then there's the other side, which is park-owned homes, and that's like a standard rental. The park owner owns the home as well. And then the residents pay typically more money to live in the home as a standard rental. And then they don't take care of the paint or something leaking and just be treated like any other single family home rental. Got it. And so which type was the one that you bought? The first one we bought was all tenant owned homes. And we prefer that model. It's more streamlined. It's a little bit easier to scale. You don't have to have the same level of handyman. You can sort of just have an 
manager making sure everybody's collecting rent. But some investors really prefer the park-owned home model because you do get more rent coming in. Mm -hmm. And so especially Mm -hmm. for smaller parks, that could be the model that you go with. And it really just depends on each person. And we have a park that has a lot of park-owned homes in it. And we're actually going to keep them as park-owned homes. And depending on how they're valued, a lot of times it can be beneficial to keep them as park-owned homes when you go to sell with a broker, which is the reason we're doing it in this case. I imagine with park-owned homes, you do get more rent, but there can probably be a little more risk with potentially things breaking down. And especially if it's an older home, then there's just more risk. There's a lot more expenses for sure. You do run risks in general with any rental that they're going to you know, mm-hmm. completely destroy it. And so there's always that factored in. So if lot rent is 300 and the standard rent for a rental is 900 you're not making that extra $600. <laughs> you know, A lot of that is eaten up in expenses, but you are making something more than if yeah. it were just a $300 lot rent. Yeah. So this sounds like such a far cry from when you started with that first duplex and you were doing all this work and managing contractors and whatnot, and you get a $200 check at the end of the month. And you kind of the buying the mobile home parks and kind of it's almost like an owner financing model it was like the stepping stone. And then you started buying your own parks. And so it sounds like the economics on that worked out quite a lot better. And it's a more scalable model than when you were doing individual duplexes. Yeah, absolutely. And same thing with multifamily, right? It's the number of lots or the number of doors that you're going to get. It just as soon as you have that scalability, well, now you can have one manager managing that. And in multifamily, you have one roof instead of having each single family has its own roof. So the scalability really starts to play in the more you can get in one park. Yeah. So tell us now, like after that first one was such a success, and that was in 2020 that you bought that one, right? And so tell us about the properties you've purchased since then. Are you buying in the same market? What are you kind of seeing out there? So far, we've bought all in North Carolina. We do some scouting in South Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee. We're actually under contract on a park in Tennessee right now. And we have four parks located all in North Carolina, 113 lots across those four parks, and then a 45-lot park in Tennessee we're under contract on. And really continuing to grow just like in multifamily. It's very competitive. So you really have to work hard looking for deals. We look at so many deals. I also look at a lot of deals in non-residential commercial space. Do you know Ash Patel? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I'm in his mastermind for non-residential commercial, which is awesome if anybody's looking to get into that route. And so been under contract on a couple of those properties as well. And And just across the board, you have to look at so many properties to find the good ones. So that's really what my focus is on a day-to-day basis. And with these mobile home parks, when you're looking at the deals, are you getting these deals from brokers? Are you sending out letters? How are you finding these? For mobile home parks, we have done all off-market to date. Mm -hmm. We did direct to sellers. We did get... The last one that we're under contract on right now was actually from a wholesaler through this random mm. Facebook group. And so that was a, a really random one. You never know where the deals never are going to <laughs> Right. On the non-residential side, I've been a lot more intentional with broker relationships and 
reaching out to brokers. On the mobile home park side, I think we were pretty successful in buying them for really, really good prices straight from sellers. So I never spent the time that I should have fostering those relationships. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about that process, right? Because I realized I'm not cut out for that whole like direct to seller because I tried to do this for land. This was years ago. I was trying to learn land investing. And so I got through... I invested in this course and I did all the things that it said down to like finding all the addresses, doing the filtering, sending out the letters, right? And the letters had like a tentative offer on it. I was like, yeah, feeling good about this. And then I'm like, I sent out the letters. I'm like, oh my God, what if they call me? What if they call (laughs) me? What am I going to say? What are they going to say? What if they're mean? What if they have questions I can't answer? Are you the one? Do you talk to people or do you have a team? Do you have somebody else who talks to them? We split. So I have an assistant. She lives in the Caribbean, but she used to live in the United States. So she calls first if they're interested in an offer, if they'd be open to a conversation. If they are, then a time is set up for me to call them. But even so, you never know what you're going to get. And the first few times I called, I was like, oh my God, what am I going to ask? Do I have all the right questions? You know, <laughs> all those things. You know, I was on the phone with somebody earlier today. And he was like, well, let me tell you about this park. It's 20 lots and it used to be 40, but then I just kind of let it go over the years. And I'm thinking, this is perfect. This is exactly what we're looking mm-hmm. for. But then he's like, yeah. so I'm in DC and I'm going to develop it into multifamily, blah, oh. blah, blah. And I was like, all right, what is that? Okay. Crap, it's twice what I can pay you. Okay, well, this yeah. went to nothing really quick. So you just never know how the conversations are going to go. Yeah. And when you're talking with them, what are you looking for when you're looking at, uh, you mentioned you look at lots of deals. So how do you know if something is right for you? We'll get back to our conversation with Amanda in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid like we were that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com invest.
And now back to our chat with Amanda Cruz. So we wanted to be 20 or more lots, the more, the better. Typically with these off-market sellers, 20 to 40, 20 to 50 is where you're really going to get most of them. The brokers have really latched on to all the bigger parks, of course. And I want... Septic is fine. I don't love septic as well unless we can move it to city infrastructure. I won't buy a wastewater treatment plant, which is like a private system for treating sewage. I need the population to be at least not declining. It doesn't have to be the best metro for a mobile home park. It's not as critical because of the population that's being served. But there do need to be several core job industries, population Mm -hmm. not declining. And we look at how old the homes are and we assume there's going to be a lot of work. A lot of these are neglected over time. So you're Mm -hmm. going to have to go put a good amount of money in when you buy it. But those are really what I'm trying to get is what the infrastructure is what makes a mobile home park more valuable than land. So what is the infrastructure and who pays for it? How old is it? Those are the things I'm trying to understand. And most importantly, the number of lots But even more important than that, the number of paying residents. Ah, They'll just say, oh yeah, it's 40 lots. I'm like, okay, that's good. How many homes are there? (laughs) How many residents are actually paying? Because that Uh is not the same as the number of lots. Do you talk to some mom and pop owners who have like their expenses and things like written down on a napkin and like... Oh yeah. Oh, we don't get PLs and that's good. If there's like a full on PL, I know they're preparing for a broker. Like they're just not yeah. our seller. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, you don't know? That's perfect. We know how much it's yes. gonna cost for trash. Like I don't even need you to tell me. So this is great. And that's so key, right? To know like just that right there, that little bit of wisdom and insight is like if you have a PL, you are a different kind of seller. You're like on a different track. And yeah, yeah that might make things easier for us, but your intention and your motivation might be different than what we're looking for. We're looking for the mom and pop owners who are really kind of have let this fall to the wayside. And so I think that's really key for any of the listeners, whether they're investing in mobile homes or not, to really get fine-tuned with exactly what they're looking for in a potential investment. Yeah, absolutely. Like if somebody comes to you with their QuickBooks trailing like P12, like Depending on what kind of, if you're doing value add or class A, like you know what to expect. But if you're really looking for a good value add and somebody comes with their like QuickBooks, then they're usually more organized than the price that you're willing to pay them reflects. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned you have, it was at four parks now. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Tell us a little bit about the management. Do you have horror stories? Is it pretty? You've got it down. Like (laughs) give us the good juicy stuff. There were always horror stories. So we have managers that manage each park. And then my husband, Jonathan, does our asset management. management. So he really manages the managers. But there are things that always go wrong. Like we had to evict somebody in one of our parks a couple months ago, and they were a contractor. So they had fixed up this home very nicely. But then mm-hmm. when they left, they stripped every single thing of any value out of the home. So now we have to just get rid of the entire home and bring in a new one. Back in December, we closed on a park in November of last year, at the very end of November, a couple weeks later is Christmas. We didn't even have a manager in place at the newest park yet. And it's a lot of park-owned homes. Well, it doesn't usually get down to 14 degrees in North Carolina. But funny enough, last December, it did. This park was heavily neglected by the man who sold it to us. 
he did everything himself and he was 81. So really nothing got mm. done. The water pipes were not insulated. So Jonathan gets all these phone calls, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and the entire weekend of Christmas, tenant oh. after tenant after tenant lost water because all of their pipes oh. froze and burst. It was a total nightmare. So, I mean, these things happen in mobile home parks and all the asset classes. Like, you know, everybody likes to say real estate is the best passive investing. Like, sort of. Like, our investors have passive investments, but right. not real estate itself and managing that real estate is very different than yes. passive mailbox money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's why I always tell people, if you want to be passive, go the passive investor route. It's like when you sponsor a child in a different country and you just every month you make that donation and then you don't have to change any diapers. I love that. Like, right. And then they write you letters. You get a photo (laughs) once a year. You get all the good stuff, but you don't have to deal with all the behind the scenes stuff. Right. And it's the same. You're absolutely right. It's not that there's nothing to do. There's tons to be done. And yeah. So on that note, so I assume you're working on this full-time now. Is your husband also focused on this full-time? Yep. So we both are full-time. He left in 2019, actually, out of the corporate world. And I left in February of 2022. Sorry. So a little bit over a year ago. Amazing. Look at you too. From like you're recovering W-2s and look at you now. Oh my goodness. I thought it would take one year from the time where I was like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I had it in my head that one year later, Uh I would be out of my corporate job and it took five years. I know there are a lot of people listening who are in this position. They want to quit. They want to retire early. Were you trying to reach a certain threshold? Why did it take five years? Well, the first year that I thought it was going to take was the business that totally failed. So we were nowhere. Ah, right. First year. So you were and doing we that started. on the side. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was doing it on okay. the side. Literally yeah. on the emailing our distributor from China at 3 a.m. while nursing my newborn baby, like on oh the side, literally. <laughs> wow. Wow. It was a mess. So that was the first year. And then we started slowly once we got into real estate, we didn't go straight into something big, which is totally doable. I don't think I knew to plan that far advance. I didn't think we'd want to be in commercial real estate. Right? So I was thinking, right. let's just get one. That's what I've always heard. Just start. And then you yeah. can go from there. So I didn't know what it was going to look like five years later. She's like, we'll just start. Yeah. And we did. Yeah. And then we pivoted to the bigger thing. Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, kudos to both of you for, I mean, that takes commitment and courage and congratulations. That's huge. Thank you. So now what your kids are six and three, I believe you said, is that right? Okay. And so what do they think? of all this? Are they involved at all? How much do they know about this whole world? It's so much part of our family conversation all the time. You know, they'll say, is daddy out at a property? Are we going to the mobile home park? Like they'll, we were going and looking at some with my daughter when she was probably four. And she would say, is this one for me? Like it was going to be a smaller house. I was like, no, sweetie, that's people live there. So we really try to at least instill in them because they don't understand all the pieces right now, but at least instilling that we own properties where people either live or they have businesses. That's how we make our money from owning things. And just having that conversation on a regular basis, they get that piece. At least our six-year-old does, our three-year-old doesn't really know the difference. But um, <laughs> you know, as she gets older, then she can get more and more involved. I think actually next month, she has a little, she's in year round school, but she has a six week 
mini summer break and my husband's going to take her out to one of the parks and and so she can really see like what he does. And so Mm -hmm. we're really excited about her doing that. What a gift and such a great learning opportunity for her because I mean, even though obviously lived in homes growing up, but the whole concept of owning a home or renting it out, it wasn't a tangible thing to me until well into my 20s. And what a gift for her to be able to connect the dots to the dinner conversations where it's like, oh, daddy's at a property, but what does the property actually look like? And being on site and doing that work and meeting the people and it just makes it so real. And yeah, at such a young age, that's fantastic. Yes. We're very excited about, and she may run away from it. We try to not talk about it too much, right? But yeah. But at least she understands there are alternatives to working for somebody else. Exactly. And that's really, that was what I've always wanted for my kids too, is not that I don't care if they ever invest in real estate, if they get into real estate, if they start a business, doesn't matter to me. But exactly what you said, I want them to know that this option is there for them. If they want to do something, if they want to volunteer or they want to like do something that may not pay a lot, I want them to have the freedom to do that, knowing that there's this other option. I think so many people just don't even know. They just figure my job is my only way to create income. So I got to figure out some way there, but just to have that option. Yeah. I love that. I didn't know any better growing up. My parents didn't invest in anything, right? They had just their retirement accounts, but that was it. And they didn't really talk to us about even that. And yeah, it's something at least we can both give to our kids. Yeah. But that being said, before we wrap, I did want to pull out a couple of key insights I heard you mention throughout, which tell me that you are the kind of person that you're always thinking critically and with your eyes open. I remember early on in your story, you said that when you were in college, you were sharing an apartment with some other roommates and you were thinking and you did the math and you're a math person, I can tell. And you were doing the math and you were like, wait a second, I know how much they paid for this and I know how much they're making off our rent. And that was something that never occurred to me until well into adulthood. I never even thought beyond the rent check that I was giving out. That was a really key like insight and eye-opening moment for you that took you kind of on this path and opened the door for you. And then the other one was when you were in your career at, I think it was Capital One, and you mentioned that you saw what the person two rungs above you in the ladder was doing. And you were like, that's not for me. And I just want to commend you because there's so many people who either don't take the time to even look up and see what's above them, or they see that and knowing that it's not for them, they're like, well, what else am I going to do? I mean, I'm on this path and I'm just going to keep going on. But I think between those things, you really like you were thinking critically, then you saw that and you were like, I'm not willing to accept this. I'm not going to accept this. I'm going to figure out a different way. Yes, maybe the first business was more of you paying tuition rather than it being a business success. But it's clearly led you to when you started down the mobile home park, it's not like you started from scratch because you had this experience from that previous business. And so, wow, what an amazing story. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. And so, all right, Amanda, are you ready? We're going to transition into our life and money show spotlight round. We're going to ask you three questions. We ask all our guests. Ready? Yep. 
Okay. So the first question is about your life and money. So tell us one thing that you're doing to live a meaningful and intentional life by design. Yes. So we work three days, or I should say, my younger child goes to school three days a week. He's three. So he goes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and he's home Tuesdays and Thursdays. So Jonathan and I each work four days a week, and we have one day each where we just spend with our three-year-old. Yeah. So we get one day before he's off in kindergarten. And then, which is really nice. I call it my mommy day and Jonathan has his daddy day. And then my older one is in year-round school. So she has off Uh chunks of time, usually three weeks at a time. So we can just take off because we have that freedom Uh now. So we'll take them on a trip or just spend quality time with them way more than we ever would have when we had to account for our vacation time. Mm It's so hard. I want to be looking at deals every day and moving forward and comparing myself to people who don't have kids and don't have families, but this is why we do what we do. So Mm -hmm. we'll spend the time now to do it while we can. I love that. Not having to ask for the PTO. It's just such a weight off your shoulders and your kids are only going to be this age for so long. And you don't want that limit of the PTO to be the thing that kept you from spending all this time with your kids while they still want to spend time with you. Yes. (laughs) All right. Second question is about others' life and money. So share with us one life or money hack that has really helped you along the way that you think will help others as well. So I don't know how much of a hack this is, but something that I think has been super helpful to me and Jonathan is intentionally we have time together. We go on date nights at least once a month. We go away for the weekend together a couple times a year. Mm -hmm. And our kids are really young. So most days in the evenings, it's like a circus. Last night, I thought it was a circus. And here I was getting hit in the head with the balloon while we were trying to corral them to the table. Like It's not us saying, what are your dreams for the future? Where do we want to travel? Right. What would we like to do? Like We're like, hey, stop hitting your sister. Can you please yeah. eat some bites of your food, right? And yes. so going away and removing ourselves from day-to-day circus life allows us to reconnect in the way that made us fall in love with each other in the first place. And yeah. what are our dreams and where do we want to be? And so we do that very intentionally. And I think that's just helped us you know, continue to have a happy marriage. Yeah, such a good tip. And especially since you guys work together as well, you know, it's almost like a family board meeting where you go (laughs) off and you're, you need that time to reconnect. And I mean, I know a number of people who focus entirely on their kids. And yes, it's a big undertaking raising kids. And they're only going to live with you, hopefully, for 18 years, right? (laughs) And then it's just going to be you and your spouse. And if that person grows into somebody that you no longer know, that's going to be a problem. And so I think it's so wise that you guys are investing that time together intentionally and really making sure, especially as you grow this business together, that you're aligned every step of the way. Yes, definitely. All right. Third question is about the world. So tell us one thing that you're doing to help make the world a better place. So real estate has given me so much, right? It it changed our lives. And I really try to give back. So yes, we have passive investors and I do talk with you or anybody else about it. But I also go, I speak at RIAs, at local RIAs, the people who are just learning about real estate. Or I did, you know, I recently did a Invest her mm-hmm. drive webinar with Liz and Andres's group. So I really like to give back to people who are 
coming up the learning curve of real estate because it can be daunting and you don't see that many women in the space that are talking and giving back. So I really like to help people who are getting started um, see the path or help them underwrite something or just really learn more about it. Yeah. I think that's one of the best ways that we can all give back is to invest our time. And, you know, I remember back to those early days. I quit my job having never done a syndication before. And if it were not for the people, the mentors who had helped and we business coach people who helped shepherd the way and encouraged us and were our cheerleaders along the way wouldn't have gotten here. And so to hear you say that you're taking that time now that you've got some of that experience under your belt, taking that time to look not just ahead of you, but behind you at the people who are coming up a few steps behind you and turning around and giving them a hand. I mean, that's how we're all going to work together to make the world a better place. So absolutely love that so much. All right. Well, Amanda, this has been such a pleasure. I know that people are going to want to follow up with you and learn more. And whether it's just to pick your brain and learn more about how to get into this themselves or perhaps how to invest with you. So tell them if they're interested, what's the best place to go or best way to follow up with you? Yeah. Our website is voyageinvesting.com. You can join our investor circle there to see any passive opportunities we have. And come connect with me on LinkedIn, Amanda Cruz. And I also post occasionally on Instagram at Investing with Amanda. Fantastic. Well, for all our listeners, we'll have all of that in the show notes. Amanda Cruz, mobile home park investor, syndicator, and entrepreneur. Amanda, thank you so much for being here with us and our listeners today. Awesome. Thank you, Annie. You've been listening to The Life and Money Show, the number one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth, and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life and Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations.